0: Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody, glad to be here today? Glad you're here. Excited. We're in a series called You Ask For It. And over the last three weeks, we did a thing called Church at the Movies. We had hundreds of guests. We had almost 400 people make decisions for Christ. Isn't that awesome? And uh, during those three weeks... We ask you to turn in any questions that you might have. And then we're taking some of the top questions and responding to those, and I'm preaching a message on those. Last week, the question was, are we living in the last days? Are we in the end times? So maybe you're thinking, well, gosh, that's kind of strange that you're, you know, preaching a message in response to a question. Did you know that that's what Jesus did? Many of the sermons that he preached were a response to a question that was given to him. So we're going to kind of do what Jesus did, and I'm excited about it today, but can you do something before we uh, get this thing going? Would you welcome, you know, we have more than just this group right here in our campus and as part of our church. In fact, just on the other side of that camera right there, we have people literally in homes all around the world. You may not know this, but thousands of people every single month are a part of this church family. They're just not sitting here. So can we welcome our online church right there? Will you welcome all of your church family? Isn't that great? Switzerland, Brazil, Latvia, Czech Republic, Bakersfield, Birmingham, Alabama. You hear that little slang? Right. So we are like, what is he doing? Okay. We're so glad you're here. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're gonna just say a prayer today. Today I want to talk to you on the theme. Here's the question, the other big question that was kind of the, the most popular, and that is what about heaven? What about heaven? Maybe you've wondered, what's the deal with heaven? Is is heaven real? Are we gonna go there? So I want to pray a prayer today. In fact, there's a verse, and guys, I kind of jumping ahead, but I want to go to Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse eleven. Ecclesiastes chapter three. I want you to read this with me, because if you've ever thought about heaven, I want you to know something: it was because God put that inside your heart. In fact, I had a feeling that was going to be one of the questions. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're here and you're kind of wondering what happens when we take our last breath. Is there life after death? Well. Let's read this. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, he has also set, let's try that again. Is everybody helping me? All right, make sure it's up there. Ready, go. He has also set eternity into the human heart. Do you realize that God has put that question inside of you? So today we're going to talk about that question. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence right here, right now. God, I don't ever want to preach a message without it. Let your word go forward and let it not come back empty, but fulfill what you want it to do. Anoint every word that's spoken. Let my voice decrease and let your word, your voice increase in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We have Ecuador joining us today. Buenas noches. Amen. Buenas... Artis, Buenos Dias, there we go. Just trying to communicate there, y'all. You know, the question of, you okay over there? Okay, good, all right. Everything's falling apart. Whew. Heaven, what about heaven? You know, it reminded me actually of a, a story I heard about this cat and this mouse that both died on the same day and went to Heaven. After a couple weeks of being there, St. Peter, he saw the mouse. And when he saw the mouse, he said, hey, what do you think of heaven? And the mouse said, it's great, but it's so big. I have a hard time getting around. It would be helpful to have some roller skates. She said, hey, no problem. I'll get you some roller skates. So he gave the skates to the the mouse. And a couple weeks later, he saw the cat. St. Peter said to the cat, hey, what do you think of heaven? And the cat says, oh, it's fantastic. And just when I... Thought it couldn't get any better. I discovered the Meals on Wheels. Okay. Sorry. I... The re- reason I told that is because here's one of the questions that were asked, and that is, will my pets be in heaven? See, there was a reason for that little joke there. Will my pets be in heaven? It's a great question. Um. The answer to that question is, I don't know for sure if your pet will be in heaven, but what I do know is that there are animals in heaven. The Bible says, in fact, that the, the um, lion will lay next to the lamb. Actually, if you look closely in the Greek, I believe dogs will be in heaven, but not cats. Just just throwing that out there. Um, no, not, not, not really. Just teasing. But if you do love cats, we're praying for you. Um, and all the dog people said, amen, All right, amen. Yeah. So it looks like that, obviously, according to Scripture, there will be animals in heaven. Hopefully, your pets will be there, but what we do know is there are animals, and and these animals have changed because the lion is going to lay next to Mary had a little lamb, and the lamb is going to be okay. Looks like Bambi is going to be fine in heaven because the lion gets saved. I don't know how it all works, but there will be animals in heaven. Um, Second question is, why does heaven have gates? Maybe you're thinking, was heaven in a bad neighborhood? Is it dangerous? I mean, what's going on? But what we do know is that in heaven there are gates, and the gates literally are the pearls, these big huge pearls are the posts that hold the gates. So we know that. Um, Here was another question is, will we be married in heaven? The answer to that question is no. We will not be in heaven. And some, some of you are very sad and disappointed that you're not going to be married in heaven. Some of you just went, hallelujah. (laughs) If if that's you, don't say that out loud. We don't want you to get in trouble. Um, But relationships like marriage will not exist in heaven, although the Bible says that we will know each other, we will be known. So you do know who people are. You will recognize, I'll know Pastor James, and um, I'll know Laura, his wife. I'll know you, you'll know me. In heaven. Here, Here's another question. Will we have wings like angels in heaven? It's a good question. People say, will we have wings? Well, let me just say this. There is no scriptural reference that says we'll have wings when we're in heaven. And um, tradition kind of passes down this idea that we're going to be on clouds floating around and we have wings. But um, we do not have wings in heaven. There's no scriptural reference to that. But what we do know, it's kind of interesting, is that you are able to travel long distances very quickly in heaven. I don't know how that works. Maybe it's going to be like Star Trek, and you're going to say, beam me up, Scotty. I don't know, but you will be able to travel long distances in heaven. Um, here's another question. Will there be any other music in heaven besides harp music? <laughs> That's hell, everybody. Um <laughs> They, no, I don't think there'll be heart music in heaven. Um, here's another one: Will there be sports in heaven? You know, are we going to watch football and you know and all that? Listen, I don't know for sure if there will be sports in heaven, but what I do know is that there's going to be a lot of crimson and gold in heaven. And so I, um, I just, I'm sorry I couldn't help myself. For those of you that don't know, I'm a USC fan. Um, It doesn't really say, but read it, guys. There's a lot of crimson and gold in heaven. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I just lost half the crowd right now. Um, Will heaven be boring? Are we going to be sitting on clouds with wings playing the harp? Maybe your thought of heaven is this. Wish I'd brought a magazine. Well... Here's what I want to do today. I want to dive into a passage of Scripture where Paul talks about heaven. And I want to lay out some things about heaven and hopefully um, help you understand what we do know about heaven. Because sometimes I think we have a misconception of what heaven really is. So let's take a look. If you have a Bible, if not, you'll follow along on the screen. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, and here's what it says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. You realize that God wants us, the Bible is vocal about us understanding What it means to go into eternity. He wants us to know what's happened to our loved ones that know the Lord, that have gone on and that have died in this life. They want us to know. The Bible wants us to know about eternity and what's happening in eternity. And the reason that it does is so that you and I, and I've used this at funerals, this verse, that we can be people who grieve but grieve with hope. Let's keep reading verse, Thessalonians verse 14, the next verse, it says, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. What's interesting for us is simply this, and that is that A foundational principle or doctrine to Christianity is the idea of the second coming of Christ. Last week we talked about the end times and are we living in the last times. And we learned that Christ will return again according to scripture. And this is a foundational principle that we have in the Bible. Our hallmark belief is that Jesus will come again. But what I love is that the Bible tells us is that when he comes, guess what? He's not coming empty-handed, but he's going to bring your family members, your friends that have died back with him. In other words, the first thing you're going to experience in eternity is a reunion with the people you love. Wow, isn't that awesome? That's what heaven is. That's why we grieve with hope, I've never had the chance to meet both of my grandfathers and one of my grandmo- well, one of my grandmothers, I met her, but I didn't really get to know her. And guess what? One day I'm going to see them again. Let's keep reading. Verse Thessalonians 4, verse 15 and 16 then goes on to say, "We tell you this directly from the Lord. Paul is saying, "I received this revelation from God Himself. The Lord Jesus came to me and shared with me about heaven." so that he could tell us, so we could have some understanding. He said, We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. So in other words, there's going to be this amazing trumpet shout, and that is the, the announcement that he's returning. So when you hear that trumpet... Hope everything's ready, right? Now, some of you, when you read that verse, you're confused because you're going, wait a minute, I thought those who have died have gone to be with Jesus in heaven, but then it just said that those who have died, they're going to rise again to join us to meet him in the air. So are they dead? Are they not dead? Where are they? Are they in heaven? Well, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that we're made of body, soul, and spirit. So when we die, what happens is our spirit, our soul goes to be with Jesus, But our body, our physical body, is buried, laid to rest in the earth. And the Bible says that when Jesus returns, that literally these bodies of people who know the Lord are going to rise from the grave. And when they do, we're going to have a glorified body. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to a glorified body. Some of us are working on the body with twists and pulls and tucks and sucking things out and all that. But guess what? One day, you're wasting your time because one day I'm going to be 6'4 and have big biceps, maybe the same face, a glorified body. (laughs) Come on now. So if you're spending all that money, don't worry. You're going to get a... Never mind. We won't go there, okay? What happens is, is there is a reuniting of the soul and spirit with the body. Now, maybe when you heard that, you went, well, wait a minute, my parent or my friend was cremated. What's going to happen to them? Here's what you need to know. If God is powerful enough to create the world out of dust or create man out of dust, to create the world out of nothing, do you think it's hard for him to take all of those ashes that are spread out through the sea and gather them back together and recreate a glorified body? Listen, God is able to do anything. And so one day, you and I, will be reunited. If we die before Jesus returns, we'll be reunited with a glorified body to be in a great reunion in heaven. Isn't that a blessing? Somebody say amen. Let's keep going. Matthew chapter, uh, or I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 4 goes on to say in verse 16, First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, We who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Today, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you. Heaven is incredible, everybody. Heaven is amazing, and you want to go there. Now, the thing you might not know is that the Bible describes two heavens. Sometimes we don't understand that, but let me describe that there are, and explain to you, there are two heavens that the Bible describes. The first one is a thing that the Bible refers to as paradise. Jesus himself described this when he was on the cross. Remember the passage when the man was hanging next to Jesus and what did he say? He said, today, you know, I'm a sinner and remember me. Let's read that passage. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Luke chapter 23, uh, verse 42 and 43. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in where? Paradise. Where? In paradise. In paradise what is paradise? Well, paradise is a word that kind, it basically means this. The best description, it's a park. It's a place of temporary um, residing for rest and recuperation. So it'd be like going to a A beautiful park in the afternoon and throwing out a blanket and throwing the football and eating fried chicken and it's a place to enjoy but it's temporary you don't stay there and some of you thought well wait a minute I thought we were going to have a mansion in heaven well the word mansion is only used one time by one translation it says in my father's house are many mansions the word mansion there is actually a word which means a temporary residence kind of like a hotel like a resort so Paradise is one of the heavens that the Bible talks about that will be for those who have died and gone on before us. So if your parents have died and they knew the Lord, they're in paradise. They're in the best resort of all. And I would imagine the spa treatment is amazing, right? It's a place to rest, to enjoy the Lord, but it is temporary, leading to the second thing we see in Scripture, which is what's called the new heaven and the new earth. Let's take a look. If you go with me in your Bible, Revelation 21 gives us a lot of description about heaven. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 says this, Then I saw a new what? A new what? So then I saw a new heaven and a new what? Earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So when we think about eternity, you see, Paradise is a, is a temporary place, but when we think about where we're going to go for eternity one day, if you and I are alive when Christ returns, we're going to go to not just a new heaven, we're going to go to a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be amazing. So you and I aren't going li- to live on some cloud. In fact, the Bible talks about heaven as being uh, this new heaven descends from the sky, and it it is here on earth. Some believe it's actually located on earth. Some believe it's just above earth. It's in close proximity. But here's the point. There's going to be a new heaven. We'll touch on that in a minute. But there's also going to be a new earth. So you and I are going to live right here. But here's the cool thing. It's a perfected earth. So we're going to be able to not sit around and play harps. We're going to be able to get our surfboards and surf in heaven. We're going to be able to go up to the mountains and have a forest fire and make s'mores in heaven. But it's going to be a new heaven. It's going to be a new earth, a place that God... You know, we know that the Bible says that when Jesus returns, he's going to bring judgment and fire. And what is it going to do? It's going to purge the earth so that he can remake the earth to be something beautiful that you and I enjoy for eternity. That's good news, amen? So if there's a new heaven or a new Jerusalem and a new earth... Then let's talk about heaven, all right? I want you to write this down because it'll give you some information about heaven. Here's the first thing. Number one, heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is not some state of mind. It's not some place of peace. It's not some apparition. It's not a celestial retirement home. Heaven is a real place so real that the Bible says that they've measured it. Go with me in Revelation 21, verse 14. It says this. It says, The city was laid out, of a, out like a square, and this is speaking of the new city or the new Jerusalem or the new heaven. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia and length and as wide and as high as it was long. So the new heaven is literally a real place. It's 1,400 miles long. It's 1,400 miles high. And it's 1,400 miles wide. It's kind of like a cube. And the Bible says that it, that it is above, it's the new Jerusalem. Many believe that it will touch or connect right to where where Jerusalem is today, and that is the new city that God will live in with his son, Jesus, and it'll be so amazing that the streets aren't made of, of cement. The streets are made of gold, and the gold is so pure that you can see through it. It's transparent. And we'll live in a beautiful place. We can visit heaven. We can visit Jesus. In fact, the sun will not be needed because Jesus' face will be so bright that it'll light up the entire world. And you and I will get to be in heaven, we will get to be in the new earth, enjoying what God has made for us. I want to tell you something. Heaven is a real place. Let me tell you another thing about heaven. Heaven is a right place. Write that down. Heaven is a right place. What I mean by that, or what the scriptures are saying, is that everything that was wrong will be made right in the new heaven, in the new earth. You know what that means? That in the new earth, there's going to be no pollution. Somebody say amen. You don't have to check the news to see if we need to stay inside. Because there's no pollution on the new earth, in the new heaven. There's no murder on the new earth. Somebody say amen to that. There's no traffic on the 405 in the new earth. Somebody say amen to that. In fact, I wonder even if you'll have the job that you have now because what's interesting is in the new earth that God provides for us the food and things we need. The curse of sin, remember when they were cast out of the garden? You see, what God is doing is he's restoring to what he originally gave us. And in the garden, there were fruit trees that had every kind of fruit and everything that you needed would provide it. But when the curse of sin came, man had to labor for the field to grow produce. So it might be that you don't have any job and that your job is you get to surf all day for eternity with your friends and family. Somebody say "Man, if you like to surf. Some of you could care less. Okay, all right, we'll move on. In other words, heaven is a place where everything has been made right I love what it says in Revelation 21, verse four and five. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I make everything new. You know, there are people here that are kind of saying, I I kind of like earth now, Pastor Jared. It's kind of cool. I've got all of this stuff. And listen, then you're holding on to an old way. You're holding on to the old thing because God wants to give you the new thing. And here's the new thing. There is no more cancer and there is no more terrorism and there is no more ISIS and there is no more challenges, no more crying, no more sickness, no more pain. That's what God has for those who know him and love him. That is part of what he's given you is eternal salvation. Heaven is a real place and heaven is a right place. Let me give you another thing. Write this down. Another thing we need to know about heaven. Heaven is a relational place. Heaven is a relational place. In other words, when you get to heaven, you're going to enjoy the relationships you have. Now maybe you thought earlier on when I mentioned there's no marriage in heaven, you thought, "Well, why? why the no marriage thing in heaven? What's up with that? Maybe you're like disappointed about that or maybe you're happy about that. And if you're happy, we've got a series coming up in a few months for you on relationships. So we'll talk about that later. But I began to think about it. We don't know for sure why there's no marriage in heaven. But maybe there's a hint, because here's what the Bible says, that Jesus is the bridegroom and you and I are the bride. And maybe, could it be that when we get to heaven, that we're going to have so much emotion that we're able to give, so much love that we're able to give to Jesus, that there's no way to find fulfillment in any other relationship on earth because of the completeness. We literally can say, you complete me. That we know him in relationships so well that there's no need to try to find completion anywhere else other than our relationship with our Father in heaven and with Jesus Christ, His Son. Heaven is a relational place. In fact, I love what it says. It says and tells us in Revelation 21, verse 3. It says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them do you realize that we're going to literally get to hang out with Jesus we're going to get to hang out with God forever and forever and forever you're not going to go where is he does he know what I'm going through God do you even exist God are you out there no you're going to see him you're going to have a chance to sit down and play Texas hold'em with him and you're going to be able to talk and you're going to be able to you know eat some ice cream together listen God is going to have a relationship with you because heaven is a relational place And you know what, not only is it a relational place with God, but guess what, it's going to be a relational place. Think about all the people that you've thought, man, I wish I had some time to sit down and catch up with so-and-so. Man, I wish I had the time to just get to know so-and-so. Well, guess what? If you know Jesus one day, you're going to have all the time you need to get to know all the people that are in heaven. You could spend a billion years with one person and still have plenty of time to get ready to meet everybody else. Heaven is a relational place. Amen. Amen. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a right place. Heaven is a relational place. The other thing that's cool about that relationship is that in heaven, guess what? There's lots of diversity. If you read in Revelation 21, verse 2, it says, On each side of the river grew a tree. This is speaking of the new heaven. Grew a a new earth. On on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. There you go, kind of like the Garden of Eden. I'm believing on those trees is going to be ding-dongs and licorice. Come on now, somebody. And it's pure protein. No calories, only the good kind. In other words, God's going to provide for you. With a fresh crop each month, and then it says this, and the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. You know that word nations? It means people groups. So every color, every language, every tribe, every tongue, heaven is a place of relationship. Maybe you've kind of been segregated to the the group of people you live in. Well, guess what? You're going to get to know them all. Who knows? By the time eternity is getting halfway through or, well, not halfway through, just getting started, you're going to be speaking Swahili and Spanish and, come on now, heaven is a relational place. Amen? Let's talk about the last point concerning heaven. Heaven is a rewarding place. I want to focus on this one for a minute. I want to bring this one up simply to encourage, to inspire, and to motivate you. Maybe you're looking at me today and you're saying, Pastor Jared, do you, you know, work and do good deeds so that you can get rewarded? You know what my answer is? Yep. One day I want to stand before the Lord and Him look at me and say, Well done! I want Him to stick a fork in me. Well done! My good and faithful servant. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, Pastor Jerry. What are you doing talking about works, saying that we need to have good works? I thought we're saved through faith. Isn't that God's gift to us? What does that scripture say? We're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why are you focusing on works? You know, it's interesting to me that there are people that often will bash churches and pastors because they encourage people to have good works. Have you ever thought about it? Why would Jesus, why would Paul, why would the scripture tell us that if we're saved through believing, in other words, it's not what we do that saves us, it's our faith in Christ that saved us, why does the Bible tell us that we should demonstrate good good works? Have you ever thought about that? I want to give you one one of my, I I believe, one of the reasons. Because Jesus really, really, really loves you. And I say, If he loves me, why does he want to have good works? Here's why. Because he's trying to save you from hell on earth. Salvation is what gets us to heaven, but we know that what we do on earth has consequences. And he doesn't want you to have to go through hell to get to heaven. Because he knows if you live your life and you constantly lie, that you're going to destroy every relationship that you have and you're going to experience hell on earth. And he knows that if you steal, you're going to break trust and not have the friends and family close to you. He knows that if you commit murder, that you're going to be put in prison. And he doesn't want you to have to be in prison. You see, God loves you so much that he wants you to demonstrate good works so that you're sowing good things so that you can experience his blessings instead of living out hell on earth. God's saving you not from eternity. He is saving you from eternity of hell. But he's saving you from hell on earth because he wants you to enjoy the life abundance that he's offered you. Isn't that good news? Isn't that love? That he loves you so much that he says, hey, I want you to do things so that you can experience freedom and blessing. You're saved through faith, but your works are important because I want to, now here's the cool thing, I want to bless you in this life and I want to bless you in the life to come. Let me just say salvation is God's work for me. Rewards are my work for God. I want to show you something. Revelation 22, verse 12. Look what it says. Look, I am coming soon. Jesus is speaking here. Bringing my what? Bringing my what? Come on, I want everyone to say this. Jesus is coming to bring his what? His reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. The word... Reward there is the word in the Greek, "apodidami," and what it means is to repay for. It's a repayment for. Do you realize that Jesus loves you so much that when you Put your faith in him, you're saved, you're gonna to go to heaven. But he also encourages you to begin to live out that freedom, that salvation you've experienced by changing the way you live and the way you think and the things you do. And here's the thing, he loves you so much that not only is he given you salvation, but he says, hey, I wanna bless you every time you do it. So every time you have a good attitude when someone does you wrong, I want to bless you for that. I don't deserve that, God. I'm just thankful that I've been forgiven. No, no, I want to bless you for that. I want to repay you. I want to reward you for that. Every time you give and you sow into the kingdom so that people can be saved and lives can be changed, I want to repay you for that. Every time that you, you instead of allowing bitterness to grow up in your life and defile you, you decide to forgive because I've forgiven you. Guess what? I don't just love you and forgive you of your sins so you can go to heaven. I want to repay you. I want to reward you for the things that you've done didn't i say earlier jesus loves us he loves us so much he wants to be and the bible says a rewarder you know that when we get to heaven the bible tells us that there are two judgments the white throne judgment which is heaven and hell judgment you're going to heaven or you're separated from god forever but there's another judgment it's called the dema seat judgment or the judgment seat of christ and you know what that is That's where everybody comes before Jesus. They're saved. They're they're going to heaven. And then their works, their deeds, are put in the fire. I don't know how it all works, but when they put him in the fire, if those deeds get burned up, in other words, if their motives were wrong, if they were just trying to show everybody how spiritual they were, if their heart wasn't for the Lord, if they were just doing works, those those deeds are going to be burned up. And the Bible says they'll escape the fire. They won't go to hell. But the Bible says they will experience heaven but not experience their reward. But those who have works that they've done for the Lord. He's going to repay you for those works. And here's the cool thing about Jesus. Think about this for a minute. Think about how much he loves you. Think about the scripture that we quote here all the time, which is God can do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Do you realize that God is able to bless you beyond what you could even imagine? Here's an example of that. Do you realize that God loves you so much that he doesn't want you just to be rewarded in this life, so you're, re- so you're experiencing a blessing for 10 years, or 20 years, or 70 years. He knows this life's going to be over. Instead, he he loves you so much, and he wants to bless you so much that he wants to reward you for your works and your deeds, not in just in this life, but in the life to come so that you don't enjoy it for a day, but you enjoy it for a thousand years, and then you enjoy it for 10,000 years, and then you keep on enjoying it for another billion years, and then you keep on enjoying his reward for another billion times a billion, and then a trillion times a trillion. In other words, on and on, forever and ever, you and I get to experience the reward and the blessing of God Because he loves us. That's above and beyond what you could ask or imagine or even think. That's why it's important. That's why God wants to encourage us. That's why he says, hey, works are important. You're not saved through them. But I'll use them to bless others, and I'll use them to bless you. And when God gets ready to bless you, if you'll do it his way, He'll bless you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and and on and on and on. Jesus truly loves us and he is a rewarder. Heaven is a rewarding place. Problem is that many of us have fallen in love with this earth? Because we got lots of good stuff, right? We got the nice house with the granite countertops, the nice wood, right? We got the car that has the navigational systems and the awesome stereos. Now they can park themselves. We've got iPhones, we've got prepackaged food, we don't have to cook anymore, let's put it in the microwave. If we're not careful, what we begin to do is we begin to fall in love with this world. Remember I read that to you last week, is that what happened is that Paul was warning, hey, don't fall in love with this world, because life is so much more than this world, I want to show you a verse. It's found in Titus chapter 2, verse 11-13. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. So God brought this revelation of salvation, of eternity. You and I can experience grace. We can be forgiven. God has brought that knowledge for us to understand. And then look what it goes on to say. And we are instructed, because of knowing that, because of receiving that, to turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. You know, when you read that, here's what you think. Well, of course, we've got to stop doing all the bad stuff. But can I define the word sin there? The word sin in the Greek doesn't mean horrible, terrible. You know what it means? To miss the mark. In other words, we're living our life with the wrong target and suddenly we start going well you know what I know that I'm here and while I'm here I could get that ex- those extra hours and then I can get the four bedroom instead of the three bedroom and we start building all and there's nothing wrong with a nice house and getting another you know room in your house I'm not saying that but what happens in life is we have a target and our target becomes how much stuff can we get how big can our 401k be how much can we give our children that, the, that they can get that we didn't have and suddenly our target becomes the wrong target because we're living for this world When when Paul said, when Jesus said, listen, think about the eternity. Think about eternal things. Don't live your life at the wrong target. I was driving to church this morning and I went into the roundabout and almost got hit because someone turned and went the wrong way. they were a good person, I think. They seemed nice. They were just going towards the wrong target. And maybe you're a Christian and you have eternity and one day you're going to go to heaven. But the sad thing is, is you've fallen in love with this life so much that you've forgotten that God has given you a new target. Maybe you're saying, well, Pastor Jared, doesn't doesn't everybody go to heaven? Well, let me tell you, no, everyone doesn't go to heaven according to Scripture. The Bible says, wide is the road that leads to death, to hell. Narrow is the road that leads to life, to heaven, and few find it. In other words, it is going to be very easy to get caught up on the wrong path with the wrong target. And we're going to miss out on the reward, on the blessing. Well, why would a loving God send people to hell? Let me tell you something. God would never send anyone to hell. What happens is we choose not to receive what he's offered us. What did we learn last week? That God's will is that all should not perish and that all should come to repentance. It's God's heart that everyone is saved. But when we grab the wheel and start driving the wrong direction, we end up missing what God has given us. So what do we do? What if we've fallen in love with this world? What if we got caught up in this world? What if we're trying to make lots of resources? Listen, it's fine to make lots of money. That's fine. But God blessed people in the Bible with lots of wealth, but he did it so that they could be a blessing. So here's the question. What are we doing with what we've been given? Let me give you the priority. Here's the priority. If, If we're thinking about heaven, here's what we should do. If we're going to be eternally minded, here's what we have to do. Number one, write this down. Refocus our priorities. Refocus our priorities. Look what Jesus said. Matthew 6. Don't store up treasures here on where? Where? So don't take all of the things that you've been given, your time, your relationships, your money, don't do all of that to store up treasure here. Don't fall in love with here where moths can eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. How many people, because of the stock market crash, have had this world steal what they've worked so hard to save? He said, don't just store all your treasure here, but he said, store your treasure in heaven. You see, part of refocusing our hearts to be prepared for eternity is to realize that, that this life, we're just passing through. As the scripture said last week, we're not citizens of the United States necessarily. We're citizens of heaven. This is just a temporary place. And so God is preparing an eternal place for us. So Lord, let me refocus my attention. So now I'm living my life to store up treasure for eternity. For things that will last forever. Let me read you another verse. So we have to refocus. What are we doing with our money, with our time, with our treasure? What are we doing with all of those relationships? Let me read you another thing. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. In other words, this life is temporary. So here's what that means. Guess what? In this life, this world will bite you. Anybody here been bitten in life? You'll experience pain. Maybe you've experienced a divorce. Maybe someone's betrayed you. Maybe you've lost everything, and, and now you're starting over again. Maybe, whatever it might be, you're struggling with a sickness. But here's the thing. Here's what Paul, Paul is saying. He's saying, understand something. This life is temporary. So that, that means your pain is temporary. And that means that someday, this is a short, just a drop in the bucket. So if you can just hang on and trust in God for a little while, guess what? You're going to have forever, which is a long while, to experience freedom and no sickness and no pain and no sorrow and no crying and no tears. Why? Because this life is temporary. So God, help me to refocus, to store treasure in heaven, to understand that this life is temporary. I had someone in our church that his brother passed away this week and I was talking to him on the phone. I had visited him in the hospital before he died and prayed with his brother. The exciting news was his brother who had been in prison for 20 years got out of prison and uh, he started attending here at Higher Vision Church and raised his hand on several occasions to accept Jesus Christ, was reconciled to his ex-wife and then he died. And I told... My friend, I said, hey, bro, I know you're sad, but I want to remind you something. We don't grieve like this world because we grieve with hope. Because all those conversations you wanted to have that you never had, because he knows the Lord, you're going to get to talk to him about it. You're going to get to high-five each other. You're going to get to do a chest bump. You're going to get to talk about what God has done. You're going to get to talk about the fact that he made a decision and he's there and you're rejoicing together. Heaven, when, you, when someone is gone in this life, it's not goodbye. With the Lord, it's see you soon. Because heaven is eternity. Here's a great quote. Every day, refocus on where you are going, not where you are. I want to tell you something. In this church, I want the worship team to come. We're going to do everything humanly possible outside of sin to reach as many people. Here's why. Because we believe that heaven is a real place and we believe hell is a real place. And the only thing that really lasts forever is people. That's why we invest so much time in so many outreaches that we do. That's why we challenge and encourage you to give not so we can have lots of money so that we can take resources and we can make a difference in this world so that we can invest in eternity god takes your physical treasure and turns it into eternal treasure which is people many of you were praying and giving and inviting and in the last three weeks over 400 people gave their lives to jesus christ why because we're committed to do everything we can we're re uh, and focusing our priorities to what really matters Reminded of a story about Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein, towards the end of his life, after all of the great achievements he had in science, was being honored at a banquet. And so he got on a train to, to go to the banquet. And as he got on the train, the conductor came up to get his ticket. And when he got his, he you know, stepped out and put it on his hand, Albert Einstein said, young man, I don't know what to do, but I can't find my ticket. The conductor said, it's okay, Professor Einstein, I know who you are. He walked on and kind of kept taking people's tickets and finished to the end of the car and came back. And as he came back, Albert Einstein was looking. And like, when he looks at him, he's like, young man, I can't find my ticket. He said, Professor Einstein, it's okay. I know who you are. He went on to the next car, and on his way back, he saw Professor Einstein again. And this time, Professor Einstein had sweat dripping down his his face. He was rattled, and he's like, young man, I don't know what to do. I can't find my ticket. He said, Professor Einstein, it's okay. I know who you are. And then in frustration, Professor Einstein looks at him and says, young man, you don't understand. I know who I am, but I don't know where I'm going. You know who you are, but the question is, do you know where you're going? Do you know that you can know? I know I gave an altar call earlier in the service, but I feel prompted by the Spirit right now to give you an opportunity to make sure you know where you're going, that you are ready for eternity, for the new heaven, the new earth. I can't wait to get out on the basketball court with some of you. We're going to have like three-year quarters. We're not even going to get tired. And even white men can dunk the basketball. Come on now. I don't know if that's the way it's going to be, but I'm telling you, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. And you don't want to miss it for a little old 30, 40, 50 years of saying, I'm going to drive my way. That's a gamble. If I'm wrong, if the word of God is wrong, I'm gonna tell you, you haven't lost anything if you chose Jesus. Because you've learned to love others. But if you are wrong, look what you've lost. Not just salvation, not just eternity, but all the reward that he has for you and all the relationship that he has for you. Well, I'm just gonna be with my friends and party in hell. Hell is going to be no party, my friend. So today, if you haven't received Christ, I know we we had communion and I gave an opportunity, but I want to make sure today, before we move on, if you're here and you're not sure if you're going to heaven, if you're here and you want to make sure that you're right with God and you want your sins forgiven, you have to put your faith in Jesus. And faith isn't some emotional experience. It's a decision to believe. I'm going to believe in Jesus. So today, if you want to know that you're going to heaven, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, if you want to invest in eternity and store up treasure yourself in heaven, when I count to three, just lift your hand and we'll pray a prayer real quick. I just want to make sure today, one, you want to be forgiven, you want to go to heaven, two, where are you? Three, lift your hands, where are you? Anybody else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, hands just everywhere being raised. Hands back here, back there, back there. Let's give a hand to all those people that raised their hands. Amen. you can put your hands down. Wow. So the Bible says you have to confess with your mouth believe in your heart, let's do that now let's take care of business, ready, pray this prayer say Jesus, today I admit it I want to go to heaven I want to enjoy what you're creating for me, so forgive me my sins, I've made a lot of mistakes, I put my faith in you help me to serve you help me to have the right target in this life and in the life to come In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a praise for all those people? Man.